0: Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three.
1: What up, what up, what up, football fans? Welcome back into the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, where we are halfway through the 2021 regular season. It is week seven. I cannot believe it. I'm here with my two best friends in the whole wide world, Dustin Benjamin Levy, Alex Andre Martin, and, of course, producer extraordinaire Amanda Jane Inscore. also want to give a shout-out to Andrea Melendez, who uh, is on our podcast producing team as well. Gentlemen, how you feeling? It's the best time of the year. It's October. We've got football. basketball's about to start. Postseason baseball. It's the real deal. Alex, how you feeling now that it's October? It,
2: it's awesome because, you know, as the season progresses, Dustin, you're going to get used to this too. Adam, you've been here for a while. I just love it when the sky gets darker earlier. Oh, yeah. And you know when the sky gets darker earlier, you know you're in October. You know you're getting into crunch time for the playoffs. And it's just, uh, it's awesome that we're getting close, and we got a lot of teams in the area that seem to be
1: in contention and in good shape. Well, I love it when I'm not sweating my butt off on the sidelines, and now that the sun's going down earlier, less humidity, it's still hot during the days, but mornings and evenings have gotten a lot better. Dustin, how how is your uh, Florida October going so far?
3: it's going well so far. Coaches have actually told me that, like, they're actually getting full practices in, which have been a big deal. But, you know, the season's kind of flown by, but also been pretty slow at the same time, so... You know i'm excited for this
1: final stretch yeah again week 7 of the regular season of the 11 weeks so we are past the halfway point we will talk some midseason awards later but first let's talk about what happened in week 6 and an exciting week of high school football and Alex i'm going to turn to you first what stood out the most to you? Who had the biggest victory? Who impressed you the most in week six?
3: Ah,
2: I gotta say, um, you know, even though Dunbar was, uh, seemed like that they were in a tight game against Fort Myers, that score wasn't really as close as it indicated. Fort Myers got a pair of a garbage time touchdowns to make the game look closer. But overall, I'm really impressed with Dunbar it Was kind of expected for them. Uh, but my game, South Fort Myers, they entered the game allowing 3.8 yards a carry. That number went down mm. after Friday. They contained Gershom Guerrero to 13 carries for 36 yards. The south front seven in the run defense has just been really strong all year. And then I've um, got to go out to Cape Coral. You know, Ida Baker, Caleb Staples sets a school rushing record at 301 yards. That's the highest total of any Lee County running back this year.
1: Yeah, Baker wins forty-eight to thirteen against Cape Coral, in one of the battles for the gate. You got four schools out there for the Cape. I meant to say, uh, Dustin. How about you? You were at that Dunbar Fort Myers game. Is that what stood out the most to you?
3: Yeah, uh, I think that was a big one. I, I also have to say, First Baptist uh, Jeez, taking first it, Baptist. really taking it to Palmetto Ridge. Uh, Ty Keller tying a school record with six touchdown passes he threw his first pick of the year in the third quarter which is a simultaneously like pick is a bad thing but the fact that it took you all season to throw yeah. your first one uh, really really impressive stuff and one that I don't think we saw coming
2: I mean, he's got a twenty to one touchdown interception ratio right now, and he's already thrown he's already had two games where he's thrown six touchdowns. Um Billy Sparasio's got, I think, four guys who are above a hundred receiving yards. I think that's huge for the program. And I think now that we've seen this team finally get a somewhat of a test, I think we can Call them a title contender. I think that they have a good chance of getting out of the region now that Champanat is out of the region. They're in the uh, region four FBAs and region three. So I think FBA has got a really good shot right now and they could be the last team standing in the area.
1: Yeah, First Baptist won 40-7 to against Palmetto Ridge, and I can't state how big that is for them. I mean, the First Baptist earlier in the year went up to Andover, Massachusetts, and won against a very big public school, but we've talked on here about how football in Massachusetts not the same as football in Florida. Well, First Baptist welcomes Palmetto Ridge, a team that is nine times larger than them in enrollment, and they worked them. They smoked them. First Baptist beat them 40 to 7. They scored more points on Palmetto Ridge than Baron Collier did, um, than any other team that they've played had. So that's very impressive. Another team that impressed the heck out of me, Naples. Again, just smoking Baron Collier. Smoking 61 to nothing. I was flabbergasted during this game, just seeing Naples, their fourth quarter, they scored on four straight touches, all you know, touchdown runs of over 30 yards. And I found out after the game, Baron Collier's down basically five starters on defense. So they were not at full strength. But uh, Naples looking very, very good.
2: And that prompts me to my next question was, I mean, when are we going to stop calling it
1: a rivalry game? It seems
2: like the margin of victory for Naples just seems to be – you know, growing but year by year, it just seems like this is just a quote unquote another game on their schedule for them.
1: Well, I will say that Barron in years, the, the most recent years under Mark Jackson has played them tough a few times. We remember that game, I think three four years ago, when Barron led in the final minute before losing on a last second field goal. Played them within ten points last year before losing in the playoffs. But Alex, you're right. I wouldn't call it a rivalry. I tell people that, like, yeah, it's a rivalry game, but. Can it be a rivalry when one team hasn't won in 25 years? What I do want to ask you guys, with these two very impressive wins, First Baptist, Naples winning very big. My question to you, Dustin, is who's going to win more state championships this year, First Baptist or Naples High School? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, i got to think First Baptist. You think Uh, they're going to win two and Naples is going to win one? I think it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just messing with you. Obviously, I was joking, but... I mean, they're both legit contenders. I yeah. mean, you could see both of them making a run. Don't you agree, Alex?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're, Naples is really junior heavy. I mean, it's not just, you know, Isaiah, Gustav, Kendrick, Raphael, Jonas Declana. Um, even after Devin Moore leaves this, uh, this winter for Notre Dame, he'll be an early enrollee. I think, you know, their secondary will be in good shape. Um, it's just, you know, impressive to see that this— Naples team is this good and perhaps they can even be better next year and we you know that sounds crazy because they're just blowing teams out of the water this year but it's certainly possible
1: absolutely hey let's look at uh, Lee County now after we uh, boasted on Collier for a while but again you're at Alex a team I want to give credit to I mean SFCA Beat uh, Marco Island forty nine to nothing. I mean, not that big of a win. We expected that Marco already doesn't have a lot of players and they lost their starting quarterback. But I do want to talk about SFCA, a team we haven't mentioned much, but they are four and one. Are they they looking pretty good?
2: Yeah, um, all four of their wins this year ironically have been shutouts. Um, Bill Moore has done a great job. He's been telling me the past two weeks that I've covered them. You know, this group they're learning how to win, and you know, he's talking about how this is his first senior group this year in his four years, and how this has been a quote-unquote trust the process type deal it's been a grind it's been you know they've been working a lot um and it seems like it's finally coming to fruition now you know despite sfca having three really capable wide receivers last year Shaden kador caught four touchdown passes thursday night eli moore looked good as ever his only incompletion was an interception that he just underthrew in the end zone uh, but you got to give credit to SSCA and you know they got a really really good chance of going to five and one after this week when they take on LaBelle
1: yeah they take on Bell, who is winless and they play I think they're off a week then they have Newman so a couple of big games coming up Eli Moore does have 931 passing yards and 11 touchdowns that's in five games and of course you know one was a half a game and when you're up forty nine to nothing, you're not really playing your starters in the second half. Dustin, tell me about a team that got its first win this week. Mariner. Mariner beat Island Coast.
3: Yeah, uh that was a, a good win for them. Um Justin Lewis had a fifty yard touchdown to Kelvin Jimenez. Uh Justin Lewis has has been uh someone that I saw in the North Fort Myers game and, and thought was impressive. Um but good to see them get in the win column. Island Coast still have to wait a little bit for that. Um a little bit of a scary injury in that one to kelton henderson um we've heard things that are okay with him um but are still going to uh try to confirm that things are all good with that but uh yeah good to see another team uh check that off for the season
1: yeah island coast still winless i think you already said that but mariner gets its first victory alex what's next what what else do we need to talk about from week Uh, six i mean do we just wait till next segment to talk about richard young or (laughs) yeah probably because (laughs) dustin you were there you can talk more about it but lehigh wins Forty two to six over Riverdale, kind of expected. Do they play this Friday, Lee? They play
3: against Charlotte, which is is Whoa. not gonna be an easy one. Uh so yeah, they have a tough test in front of them. The the Riverdale game was actually kind of interesting. You know, Richard did his thing finishing with three touchdowns, 175 yards on the ground. But that first half was more about Dorian Mallory and uh the freshman quarterback. It's nice to see how he's progressing. He threw uh two hundred yards. Threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown all in that first half, which was pretty incredible. It's good to see, you know, when teams are selling out to stop Richard, that they are capable of beating you other ways.
1: So it was a, a good win for Lehigh. Then they do play on Friday, but it is Northport. That is a district game, so it is important, but you gotta think Lehigh shouldn't have trouble playing Northport. I want to give some love to another private school that's doing well, CSN. Beats Oasis 41 to nothing. Again, not the best opponent we think all expected CSN to win, but to win big, you know, they were up 28 to nothing in the first quarter. Did very well offensively. We've known about uh, CSN's defense for a while now, but offensively a lot of guys got involved, so they're 4-0 CSN. I think we'll talk about them next segment when we mention some of our surprises or coaches of the year.
2: Yeah, and um, you kind of mentioned it in your rankings that came out this week. CSN jumped up a couple spots, uh, but that matchup against First Baptist is looking like a real intriguing one, perhaps Game of the Week material, between the two private schools that are separated by just over a mile on Livingston Road. Might as well just call it the battle for Livingston. You should, Absolutely.
1: I will say the FBA is undefeated, but they do have a game against Bishop Verwo in a couple weeks, so in danger of maybe not being undefeated. But the way the way FBA worked, Paul Ridge, I don't know, man. I, I think they might be favored against uh, Bishop Verwo. So, Dustin, anything else you want to uh, shine light on before we get out of here?
3: Uh, yeah, I was at that Dunbar game. It was a really exciting game, even though you know the scoreline was not exactly uh, how that. Team went with a, a couple touchdowns at the end for Fort Myers. Uh, Fort Myers really fought and really took it to him, um, but Davion Palmer, he had an incredible night, uh, four touchdowns for 280 yards. That Dunbar team is just going to be really tough to stop, and they're going to get a huge test
1: this week, uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit. i tell you, Dunbar has probably the, the toughest schedule you know, of, of any team in this area, I would think. Yeah, and they're passing each
3: benchmark, uh, it seems, but Another big one coming up in South Fort Myers.
1: And that'll
2: definitely help their RPI, I think. I mean, they're at number three entering this week. We'll see if they make a jump or if they're going to fall, I imagine. They might drop a couple spots, perhaps, but, you know, nothing too crazy. Uh, But playing an undefeated South Fort Myers team, that's going to definitely help the RPI and keep the Tigers, perhaps, at the top of Class 6A.
1: All right. So, rounding out last week, week six, Golden Gate gets on the winning path again. They beat the Upstart East Lee, who we thought could maybe put together a winning streak. But Golden Gate moves to three and two. Astero big win, forty-four to nothing against LaBelle. Belle. The uh, Wildcats are three and three, and we were talking off air when we got in here. Their three losses were all close, and they were the teams that uh, they possibly should have, could have beaten. Astero could be five and one or six and zero, and then Gateway Charter beats Legacy Charter, twenty to thirteen. I think that's pretty much it. You agree, gentlemen? All right, I'm getting nods on the uh, the audio podcast. My co-host decided not to talk. That's okay, because we're going to move on to the second segment. We're going to tell you about Week 7, but we're going to break down some mid-season awards at the other side of this break. Let's
0: go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com. And by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Come on.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back in to the second segment of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Adam Fisher here with Dustin Levy, Alex Martin, Amanda Enscore, the whole crew in the office today. So, as I said at the beginning, we are past the halfway point of the regular season. Five weeks left, six weeks in the book. So, we're going to look at some midseason awards. We're going to say who we think our offensive MVP is, defensive MVP. may talk coach of the year, surprise teams, if we have time. So, let me just throw it out there, Dustin, after five, I guess six weeks of the regular season, and we're talking all of Southwest Florida here. We're not talking Collier County and Lee County. Well, we are. I'm saying we're not picking one per Lee County, one per Collier County. For all of Southwest Florida, who is the Offensive Player of the Year?
3: Uh, I have to go based on what I've seen, and I've seen Richard Young in a few games, and he is just he, he's just different, and he affects that offense in so many ways. He had a quote-unquote modest first half yeah. against Riverdale with uh, one touchdown and 75 yards, but like... That opened up things for Dorian Mallory in the passing game. And then Richard just did his thing in the second half. You know, as the game gets on, especially in the fourth quarter, you know, his his strength just shines through and, you know, he gets, he just walks in for touchdowns against teams. It's really incredible. And uh, I think he's at 12 touchdowns now for the season. He is just, you know, such a focal point. Teams playing against him have to sell out to stop him. And it, it just, it's such a big. Big, big part of that Lehigh team.
1: Richard Young, 836 yards on 82 carries. That's 10.2 yards per touch. That's averaging 20 carries per game. And still, so they know where the ball's going, but they still can't stop him. That's why he's the number one running back in the class of 2023. Alex, I, I assume we're all probably leaning towards Richard. Um, but give me another name, just uh, just for the sake of argument. Who do you think is, should be in contention, at least for the Offensive Player of the Year?
2: I would like to say a duo of running backs here because I think the. DeAndre McCutcheon and Barry White have been one of the Mm. one of the probably the best one-two punch in the area maybe outside of Naples this season
1: you're talking about the Dunbar running back yes
2: Dunbar um, you know it seems like they're doing really good things in the ground game Uh, Barry White's just putting up you know ridiculous numbers he had an 82 yard uh, rush where he actually fumbled the ball and ironically enough it just bounced right back up to Mm. him you know had to slow down a little bit and you know, he took it to the house against Fort Myers. Um, I think those two running backs have really impressed me. I kind of talked about it in my transfers to watch if Barry White could transition to the what it's like to play, you know, an actual schedule in terms of public schools. He was at Canterbury um, the couple of years prior. You know, Canterbury doesn't play the best opponents. But if Barry White could adjust and actually succeed against talented schools, you know, that Dunbar has a top five, top three running back tandem in the county. Um, that's certainly the case. But, um, you know, it's between him. You know, Jaden Booker seems to be, you know, even though they're two and four, he leads the area in rushing with 892 yards. Um, you know, he's certainly in contention. And then, you know, another name on the radar, uh, maybe perhaps a and Trophy front runner, uh, Dawson Jones, with six picks on defense. And, yeah. You know, he's doing great things uh, on offense for Newman.
1: I will go back to those Dunbar running backs you mentioned. So they have split carries just about evenly. DeAndre McCutcheon has 50 carries for 378 yards. Barry White, 48 For 445 yards, both very good, but with splitting it like that, it's going to be tough for one of them to earn an individual award. Not to say they're not deserving, because if you gave the carries to the other guy, they would. and they both have exactly four touchdowns. So split almost evenly, doing very, very good damage there at Dunbar. And what do we talk about with Dunbar all the time? We talk about just how loaded they are and how much talent they have. Um, A guy I don't believe my man Alec mentioned, Ty Keller. I think he mentioned him at the top of the show, doing crazy things at First Baptist. Each week he gets more impressive. A few weeks ago, he we set the school record with six touchdowns, passing, one rushing, so seven total over 300 yards. Last week, I assume he broke the school record for passing yards. I don't check this out, but I've covered First Baptist since they started in 2009. I have never seen anyone throw for 392 yards. He's got 1,250 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, one interception, in five games doing phenomenal things.
2: In one thing, putting the quarterback side by side, Dylan McNamara last year only had – 14 touchdown – or 16 touchdown passes. You know, Ty Keller, 66%, two-thirds of the way through the season. He's already got 20. Um,
1: That's just insane. I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to go back in the next couple weeks. In Collier County, I can't remember the last time a guy threw for 20 touchdowns in a season. Maybe 20 total, you know, a guy will run for 10, throw for 10. Um, We don't see it a lot. And Ty Keller's on pace for 40 touchdowns. That's bananas. That would easily, easily be a Collier County record. So I want to mention also down in Collier County – you know, again, I mentioned Dunbar, how they split the load up, so it's hard for one guy to stand out. But I do want to mention Stanley Bryant, the quarterback at Naples. Now, obviously, he is the quarterback, and he runs a lot, and he's got two running backs in the backfield that run a lot. But he is averaging 12 yards per carry. He's got 11 rushing touchdowns, 539. He's also got two passing touchdowns. But, again, he just splits that load so much, he's not going to have the crazy, crazy good numbers of other players.
3: Yeah, another player I'll mention just because of the way he's come on. In a two-week span is Caleb Staple for Ida Baker. Um, He had that the week where they played the delayed game against North Fort Myers and then played Northport. He had, I believe, four touchdowns in those games. And then last week uh, with the school rushing record, 300 yards, three touchdowns. um, And just seeing him in person, he is a workhorse for the Bulldogs. And uh, he's really coming on for them.
1: Yeah, Caleb Staple at Baker has six hundred yards the past three games. He had a two hundred yard game, a one hundred yard game, and a three hundred yard game, which means he's going to go for four hundred yards this week. So be out there, Bulldogs fans. Alex, anyone else you you want to mention for offense? Well,
2: one thing I wanted to revisit. You were talking about you know when was last time uh, someone in Collier County threw for twenty touchdowns? Um, We might be getting into elite territory here. You know, remember that twenty seventeen Amakuli team? R.J. Rosales had thirty five touchdowns, four picks. 2,154 passing yards. Um, Ty Keller is going to get certainly close to that touchdown number and perhaps eclipse that you know, passing yard number. But I mean, that's, that in and of itself is really impressive. And you know, 35 touchdowns for you know, RJ Rosales when he was with the Mockley was a school record.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to see um, FBA when they face CSN in, in a couple of weeks and Bishop Verot before that. So to see them get some of the really top-notch teams down here. Let's move to defense, which is a little bit harder to pick just because the stats aren't there. And, guys, I want to tell you, this is we're covering high school. This is not like we're covering college or NFL where I have game tape to look at where I can review stuff. I have stats handed to me to tell me who does tackling or who made this tackle and that tackle. So it's a little bit tougher. It's more about the eyeball test when we do the um, – Players of the Year, at the end of the year, we talk to more coaches, we get the stats, we get those highlights. But right now, as we're just talking amongst ourselves, it's really just kind of what we've seen. Uh, Dustin, when I told you Defensive Player of the Year, was there one name that jumped to your head? Well,
3: I I think there's a team that jumps to my head, and that's Dunbar. And they're all so good that it's hard to pick one that stands out above the other. You think of Sean Russ, who's a shutdown corner I think he has two picks on the season. Sean Russ has the best
1: trash talking game in Southwest Florida. Can we talk about that? I mean, he's tagging kids on uh, Instagram, calling him my son and whatnot. That's that's awesome. So he wins that award in my heart just yeah.
3: for that. So that that gives him a little bit of a boost. Um, I love watching Avian Rice. He, he's a terrific safety. Jeremiah Livingston. He uh, forces turnovers all like and De- Dimitri Morgan, JB Stevens. I mean, these are all guys that can be in the conversation, but they're because they're all on one team, it's hard to just say, you no, know, that one guy is key to their defense. In picking up on Sean Russ,
2: I could definitely see the you know the argument. Teams aren't throwing his way for a reason. Nope. He was on Greg Delane, and Greg Delane, who is going to be going to a Power 5 school more than likely, did not get a single catch against him. And, You know, it's very telling. You know, Sean Russ does trash talk. He's very similar to Jalen Ramsey in that regard. He likes locking kids down. He wears number five for a reason, just like Jalen Ramsey. I could see him being a nominee um, without question. Teams just don't throw his way. It's very similar to Omarion Cooper with Lehigh last year. Teams just didn't want to, you know,
1: waste their time throwing to that side. A guy that I first thought of when I thought of Defensive Player of the Year, and it's a little tricky because, again, I haven't seen him. I just know what I've read. I know my man Alex has seen him a lot. Chris Graves at Bishop Rowe, mm-hmm. and we could be talking about him for Offense Player of the Year. The problem is he missed the first two or three games, but he's been such a difference maker. He's had pick sixes. Uh, he's a lockdown cornerback committed to Miami, and then he's playing special teams, offense. So if Lee County had a overall you know, brockson Trophy award like Collier does, Chris Graves would be up front in that uh standings but Alex you think Chris Graves a guy we should talk about uh,
2: I think so and you know obviously Bishop Rowe didn't want to have a bye this week they wanted to probably get another game under their belt but um yeah Chris Graves 160 260 receiving yards something in that neighborhood you know he has a pick on defense he has a blocked field goal they need him without question and I think we kind of saw that in the first three games when he was out uh but you know, Dustin's hot take earlier this year, Chris Graves with lead Lee County in receiving yards and interceptions. Certainly possible.
1: So I want to mention a guy in Collier County. I want to find somebody in Naples, and it's kind of like we talked about with Dunbar on both sides of the ball. It's just Naples is so talented and they're so well coached that these kids slide in and all 11, even their backups are doing really well. I was stunned in that game against Baron Collier where they got their fourth straight shutout. I asked Coach Rick Martin, let me talk to one of your up front guys, whoever you think would be good grabs me defensive end Andrew St. Flour. He's no bigger than I am. He's a 5'11", 175. He's just really athletic and really strong, and that's what Naples does. They take these kids and just make them really good defensive players, no matter their size. So I tell you that to tell you that there's multiple people you could pick on the, the Naples defense. The guy that stood out to me a few weeks is, is Kerry Brown. He had two interceptions last week. He has three on the season, um, just, just breaking up passes. He's in the defensive backfield. And, of course, he shares the defensive backfield with Notre Dame commit – Devin Moore, uh, Jonas Duclona, who's going to go Division One eventually. So even amongst those elite players, he's standing out, and, and Coach Rick Martin said the same thing. He said if he had to pick a defensive MVP for his team right now, it would be Kerry Brown or Devin Moore. Before we move on, um,
2: you know, one person I had the chance to see on Friday who's also in conversations, should be in conversation, is Kirill Bykov from mm-hmm. South Fort Myers. They call him the Russian assassin on the sideline. Um, 34 tackles this year. 11 tackles for loss, and he's got four and a half sacks. This is just in four games. I saw him Friday. Um, I think he had two or three sacks, so that number's certainly going to get up there. And he's been one of the guys on South's defense, kind of one of the unsung heroes that hasn't you know, gotten talked about enough.
1: Is he actually Russian? Yes. That's awesome. we got to do a story on this kid's stat. I'm, I already want to meet him just because of his nickname, the, the Russian Assassin. I dig that. Uh, another good defense playing well, I want to mention, uh, CSN. So I asked their coach who would be their defensive uh, EVP right now, Tariq Morame, he mentioned. He said he's going to be the best defensive end in the county this year. Not the best defensive end um, in, in the region among the small schools, but he said the county. Paul Silvideo said that. So um, real quick, guys, before we move on to the games, how about coach of the year? Uh, anyone that do you think – most deserving of the honor? I'll start while you guys think. I think Paul Video, at CSN for kind of revamping that team after they lost so much to graduation. They went 1-8 and two years ago. Last year they come out and go 9-2. and um, So we were kind of surprised at the quick turnaround. Well, it turns out maybe that 1-8 and was the anomaly, that they have uh, been revamped after losing so many of their skilled players, their best running backs, best receivers, their quarterback last year, and CSN is 4-0 again and looking to make the playoffs also. So Paul Sovideos has got to be in the running Anyone else, Alex? Yeah, that's uh, kind of where I'm leaning. I think after last year, we kind of wrote
2: CSN off, and you know they were losing too many. Pe- we thought they were losing too many pieces. Um, sure enough, that young group, Chase Atterbury being one of them. Um, I think they're, you know, they're on the right track again. But also, I think Willis May at South Fort Myers yeah. again deserves consideration. You know, this is his third year here. Five and five first year. Seven and four, or no, seven and four the first year. I think maybe five and five last year. This year undefeated, doing a great job. He was talking to me after the game, and he was just describing how you know how coachable the his kids are. You know they're willing to listen. They trust the process with their defensive guys. He's done a good job, and you know they're
1: certainly worthy. Uh, He's certainly worthy of you know being in the running. If South Fort Myers beats Naples in a couple weeks. Ed Reed, sports editor for the Naples Daily News and Fort Myers News Press, will walk out onto the field and hand Willis May, the Coach of the Year trophy, right then and there. It'll be over. That'll decide it. Dustin, who do you think Coach of the Year should be? Uh,
3: I think someone that deserves mention is Sammy Brown. I think we've seen the season how a COVID shutdown affects a lot of teams. Dunbar had it the first week of the season, and the fact that didn't seem to affect them at all. Maybe people might say, you know, Dunbar's so talented, you know, but I love what I see when I, I see that team come together. Um, And I think Sammy deserves a lot of credit for
1: that. Yeah, that's uh, something to be said for overcoming adversity. Even when you are a very talented team, that's what makes a great coach. That's what makes a Coach of the Year candidate. So that's it for our half-season in review. Now we're going to break down some games and do some picks when we come back from this break.
0: For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week... Go to naplesnews.com and news-press.com.
2: Let's just do it, okay?
0: Follow us on Instagram at newspresssports and NDN Prep so go!
2: And welcome back. It is your favorite segment. It is picks time, where we're going to pick 10 of the area games here in southwest florida. Dustin Levy finished 9 and 1 this week this past week. Alex Martin myself finished 8 and 2 and Adam Fisher also had a very good week at 7 and 3. Season totals, Dustin has a four game lead on me with a record of 40 and 16. I am sitting at 36 and 20 and Adam Fisher is sitting 10 games
1: above 500 at 33 and 20 three and seven games behind dustin and dustin i was all very excited when you came down and joined us here in southwest florida and i was like all right man i, I was very supportive of you and you know you, you're a venture down here but now i'm not so excited even though i did well last week seven to three is one of my better weeks but dustin just just owning us what do you got a four game lead on alex and seven game lead on me
3: yeah i'm just waiting for that one disastrous week where it's all going to come crashing down but you know I'm feeling pretty good right now
1: well and I told you I'm at that point of the year where I I keep reaching I got to make some reaches and I did that last week but every week I do that I get further behind I got to reach more and we're only a couple weeks away from me going like 0 and 10 at one point so we'll see
2: (laughs) yeah so to start it off um, we got Mariner at Eastley County Mariner gets their first win and Eastley plays really competitive relative to their spring game against Golden Gate Uh, just coming up short in that one Adam who you got
1: yeah, East Lee. I mean, we've talked about them a lot just because I am so impressed at how uh, competitive they are, even in their losses. What are they two and four, something like that? One and four.
3: Yeah, just the one win.
1: All right. they're one and four, um, but they've been competitive. They lose by one point. Mariner, a team that I think we also have been kind of wait to get off the schneid and get that victory. It is at East Lee, but I'm gonna take the team with momentum. Mariner, I'll take Mariner.
3: I'm gonna take Mariner, Dustin. Who you got? I'm gonna take East Lee here. Uh, even though that they, they lost against Golden Gate last week, um, I think they, they showed a lot of progress from that spring game. Obviously, they know how to win games now, which is a big deal. Um, so does Mariner, but I, I like the Jaguars.
2: I do, too. Um, I think East Lee
3: County does get their second
2: win here. You know, Mariner played Island Coast really close. Um, you know, I think that's a little bit of a cause for concern, a little bit. Uh, but I'm going to take the Jaguars to get their second win of the year. Next up, a uh, somewhat of an interesting game. You know, it doesn't happen a whole lot, but Astero uh, going to downtown Fort Myers to take on Gateway Charter. Uh, Gateway Charter coming off a three-hour road trip up to Legacy Charter. They won twenty to thirteen, and um, you know, Astero did a good job. Who you got?
1: Well, I'm going to tell you. Here's how little I cover Lee County. I didn't know the Gateway Charter was in downtown Fort Myers. Is that right? I've, I've it, never once been there. <laughs> so they their school is
2: in Gateway, but they kind of alternate between Billy Bowlegs Park, ah, which fields. is in downtown, and the Stars Complex. So they're kind of you know in, in need of a field, but yeah.
1: Interesting, interesting. Again, never been there. I have been to Gateway. Um, you know, Estero, as we talked about, they're 3-3, three and three, and they could be 6-0. Oh. I guess they also could be 0-6 oh because they've had some close wins. But I'm gonna take the Wildcats. I think they're getting better each week. We've seen they do have some weapons. They don't have a lot of depth. But the, if those weapons stay healthy, I think they can win. I'm gonna go with the stero.
2: I do too. Um, I think Jason DuCona and you know Kendrick Agenor is having a really good year. Uh, yeah. kind of uh, you know, fine under the radar because of Richard Young and Jaden Booker and Caleb Staple. Um, Kendrick Agenor is, I think, around the six hundred yard mark. But I think uh, you know, his rushing game will be pivotal. You know, Jason DuCona's uh game on both sides of the ball will be key. I'm gonna take a stero here to go to four and three. What say you, Dustin?
3: Uh I'm gonna go with the Wildcats as well. I'm um, not confidently I think those losses to Northport and Cape Coral, they they make you hesitate. And I think Gateway Chart is gonna have a chance in this one, but uh yeah, gotta gotta go with the Wildcats in that momentum.
2: Next up, two teams who are in need of a win this season. Gateway is going down to Paradise to take on Marco Island. Marco Island has not won, correct me if I'm wrong, in the neighborhood of somewhere around 1,000 days.
1: It's been about that, about three seasons, I think. That that, that sounds about right. I don't know the exact number. And, again, it's tough when you're a small school, especially an isolated school like on Marco. Mm -hmm. You know, you got 25, 30 kids on your best season. They have less than that, and then you have injuries. They lost their starting quarterback Mm -hmm. last week. So... Uh, I think Gateway, Gateway High School gets their very first victory, very first varsity victory, uh, so good for them.
2: Dustin?
3: I'm going to go with Gateway as well. It's just hard to to think uh, Marco, especially if they're losing their quarterback, can, can come through here. Um, but, yeah, if Gateway wins, that's going to be a big one. I'm going to trick you all and pick...
2: No, I can't do it. No, it's Gateway. <laughs> I was waiting for it. It is Gateway. Uh, Jamarian McElroy is one of the uh, area leaders in passing. You know, oddly enough, but uh, Gateway, I think, has you know they got athletes and you know they're growing week by week, and that's mm-hmm. really encouraging. Colin O'Brien's got them going in the right direction. Again, uh, we got two teams that were in the FHSA to start the year, but now are FHSA independents. Moorhaven going to Immokalee. Immokalee playing on Saturday this past week, losing to Avant-Garde pretty big. And then you got Moorhaven, you know, seeking their first
3: win, put up a total of six points this year. Dustin, who you got? Uh, let's go with the local team, go with Immokalee. They had the 10 nothing win against LaBelle. Again, not what not I'm super confident about, but uh, le- let's see what they can do here.
2: It, it's just one of those games, you know. It's Mockley's put up 43 points you know Moorhaven's only put up six in their games uh, I think Johnny Smith gets his second win though I do um, I think despite you know playing on one less day of rest this week uh, Redwood gets it done
1: yeah this game is a it used to be a pretty good rivalry two really good football teams similar towns you know isolated inland agricultural towns where there's not much else to do but play football because of that good football teams good fan base and it's Kind of interesting this year that they're in the same situation. Both teams missing kids, so they have pulled out of the FHSAA. I think Moorhaven got hit by a COVID earlier. They've only played two games. Immokalee, despite the shutout loss last week to a good team, I think they lost 48 to nothing. We've seen them get better integrally, step by step. They do have their first win. And playing at home, and this might be their last home game, they're going to show out for these fans. The, the Immokalee team wins and wins big. Next
2: up, a uh, very intriguing matchup for multiple reasons. We'll get into that in just a minute. But um, Cape Coral at Fort Myers. Uh, Cape Coral and Fort Myers played in a Jamboree format to start the year. Um, Greenies look good. But bigger picture, um, if Sam Siriani wins on Thursday night, this is a Thursday night game, um, he will be sitting at 149 wins with one, win number 150, looking like it can come on Monday at, lehigh and that is huge for a multitude of reasons sam sirianni is one of three coaches in the area with over 100 wins his father sam sirianni senior had 244 and ron hoover the coach at north fort myers had 117 uh, dustin i'll start it with you you've seen this fort myers team a good amount
3: um i think you know you got to call them the favorite in this one they're definitely the favorite but i kind of see this as a bit of a trap game uh, with that Lehigh game looming on Monday, Lehigh at least has a tough test against Charlotte. It would be very easy for Fort Myers to overlook Cape Coral, who, you know, we, we've seen they're competitive. Um, but I just don't know if Cape Coral has what a, an upset would require here. So I'm sticking with Fort Myers, but that's, that's a tough, tough game with it with the schedule that they have.
1: Adam? Yeah, I think Fort Myers is going to be motivated to kind of put this away earlier. Get it done because you got a game on Monday and another game on the Friday after that, I believe. So I think Fort Myers gets up big. They're going to be focused. They're going to win running clock in that second half, and you can rest your starter. So I'm taking the green wave.
2: That's where I'm at. Um, one thing about Sam Siriani, in the three past three seasons, his team has started 2-2 two two in their first four games. And then after that, they are 11-2 and two with both of their losses coming in the playoffs.
1: Whoa, that's so, a great stat. So
2: in that's three, a real good stat. In three seasons, after starting 2-2, two and two, they have gone undefeated with uh, the losses coming to Dillard and... I uh, can't bring it off the top of my head, but I want to say it was Dillard and... I forgot who they played last year. Don't know.
1: Can't remember. Oh, oh four Bar- Mi- was it Bar- Four Oh, Bar- Bar- uh, 54-53. Yeah,
2: yep. Um, so, you know, that's huge. That's a huge nugget for Sam Siriani and company. uh, But, you know, they're going to get to 149 uh, for sure on Thursday. 150 possibly on Monday, but wouldn't be surprised if it's next Friday against Ida Baker. I will take Fort Myers. Next up, uh, Bishop Rowe trekking up three and a half, four hours to Ocala Trinity Catholic. A Trinity Catholic made a state semi-final i believe last year um you know they're a good program but varro you know certainly has chris graves on this side of the
3: ball dustin who you got yeah i think that's the big factor for me i i was hesitant picking varro without graves on the field with him on the field i feel confident saying uh the vikings here um but you know also shout out to carter smith uh the freshman quarterbacks who's doing a great job and we didn't mention him in the the Defensive player segment, Austin Red, one of the area leaders in tackles. Um, so I, I like the Vikings here. They've looked good. You kind of touched on Carter Smith, and he's really having an underrated year. He starts He starts off a little
2: rocky, right? And, you know, I saw this team a little earlier on before, you know, Chris Graves was back on the field. I've seen him on and off. Um, Carter Smith's really progressed in his passing game. And, you know, he's making the right decisions. And that's an attribution to the coaching staff there um you know he's completing 58 percent of his passes he's in line for about 1500 yards as a freshman that's a big deal um but i'm gonna take varro on the road here i think it'll be really close um i think it'll be a razor-thin margin you know trinity catholics no joke but i will take the vikings
1: Long-time listeners of this podcast know my cardinal rule. You don't pick a team when they have to go more than two hours. Of course, that turned out wrong earlier this year when Naples won at Westwood. But because of that, because they are playing a very good team, a ranked Trinity Catholic team after a three-and-a-half-hour bus ride, I'm taking TC, Trinity Catholic.
2: Interesting. Uh, the two biggest schools in Collier County, Gulf Coast, going to Palmetto Ridge, two very, very passionate student sections that will get up for this game. Um, You know, kind of, it kind of feels like it's a Connor Barrett, you know, in the passing game versus Jaden Booker in the rushing game. Adam, who you got?
1: You know, this is I think going to be the closest game of the ones we're picking. Um, I I don't really know. It's at Palmetto Ridge that gives them an advantage, but Palmetto Ridge has not looked good the past two weeks. Uh, Of course, they played Naples and First Baptist, two two of the best teams in in the area, definitely in Collier County. But they've lost a total of eighty eight to seven. They've only scored 27 points the past four games. You know, that offense, very one-dimensional. They, they give the ball to Jaden Booker, and his brother, Josea Booker, can do some things, but Jaden Booker's getting the ball 25 times a game. I think defenses are catching on. Uh, Golf Coast is a little bit more two-dimensional. they got some good running backs that can churn it out, as well as their quarterback, Connor Barrett, and he can throw it. And they're on a roll right now. I think they've won two in a row. Palmetto Rich has lost two in a row. Things are kind of falling apart. Could be a big get right game, but I'm going to take the Sharks of Gulf Coast.
2: Yeah, um, you know Gulf Coast is in much better position. I think Palmetto are just still trying to find their identity, and I, you know, I think this is a pivotal. You know, this game can either be a turning point or this game can kind of just lead to you know the demise this year. But you know, Connor Barrett's got everything going. He's got the leading receiver in the area, uh, 475 receiving yards. Uh, I will also take the Sharks on the road, but I think this game can be a little bit closer than what people expect, you know, given Gulf Coast's
3: inability to stop the run against somewhat potent offenses. Yeah, I I think uh, the Bears are certainly going to be motivated to try to get back on track, but, you know, they're the definition of reeling right now, um, especially after the loss to First Baptist. I'm going to go with the Sharks here as well, but like you said, I, I think... (laughs) <laughs> palmetto ridge is gonna you know really stop at nothing to to try to get back in the wind column
2: next up uh we got a team from the east coast coming to take on naples delray beach atlantic three and two this year uh they're in class 7a one class above the golden eagles naples is only allowed seven points this year adam um does atlantic get on the board in this one
1: so I think Atlantic does, but I will preface this by saying it's always hard to pick these out-of-area teams that you don't see. I can look at their max preps page and look at their stats all you want, but it's you never know. Um, you know, Atlantic is 3-2, and two, playing against an East Coast schedule, Palm Beach Gardens, Lake Worth, Glade Central, very good team, played a St. Pete team, so... I don't know. It looks like their offense is not very dynamic. They've had two blowout victories, and um, even with that, they only average about 220 yards per game on offense. So it's conceivable that Naples gets its fifth straight shutout, which I imagine would be some kind of record. Uh, But I don't think it'll be a shutout, but just because I have seen Naples and they have been so impressive lately, I will take Naples. I think they'll win.
2: I think it would be silly to pick against Naples at this point in the year when they've only allowed seven points. But I do think this game, it could, it could be similar to the Westwood game. You know, start slow. Um, right. Uh, it seems like Naples does, you know, like they have for about a decade, 20 years now. They know the local teams. They have their number like that. Um, but, you know, against these out-of-area teams, whether it was Riverview-Sarasota a couple of years back, or, you know, Miami-Palmetto, Miami-Edison, you know, it seems like that they not necessarily struggle, but it takes them a little bit to adjust. But I will take Naples in the end because they know how to play four quarters,
3: Dustin. So the the Eagles have only allowed seven points. They've scored two hundred thirty-eight. You you just can't <laughs> you just can't pick against that. Yeah, uh, Eagles.
2: Next up, an interesting Thursday night game: Charlotte at Lehigh. This game was very close last year. Richard Young was just under two hundred rushing yards in that game. Uh, but the Tarpons coming off a win over North Fort Myers. Lehigh coming off a blowout over Riverdale, Dustin. I'll start with you on this one. Can Lehigh move to four and one before they play Fort
3: Myers next Monday? This is going to be a really interesting test for Lehigh, and uh, you know, Coach uh, Cheney, he was well aware uh, of of the challenge this is going to be. Um, you know, it really comes down to the Charlotte defense, whether they can contain Richard, um, and whether Dorian Mallory, you know, if that team is. Well, we know that team is going to sell out to, to stop Richard. Uh, whether he can uh, continue to progress and and make plays, but I am going to take the lightning here. Interesting pick because I think last week, you know, Charlotte was
2: without their starting running back against North Fort Myers. Troy McClary, to my knowledge, did not play in this one, and he's one of their leading rushers. Um, Wade Taylor gets his guys ready. I just think Lehigh's defense might be. On short rest, a little bit. Um, I think Charlotte's riding some momentum. They had 18 first downs against North Fort Myers last Friday, but they did have 125 penalty yards, which is somewhat worrisome against a disruptive front, which could lead to some holding calls in the run game. But I will take Charlotte on the road here. I think, you know, they're the more complete team right now, and I think they can probably limit Richard Young, but. I think he still gets 120 yards.
1: Yeah, Charlotte's starting to hit a groove. I think they had a couple losses or at least one early in the season, and uh, they won a couple in a row, including last week, against a good North Fort Myers team. And I'm so happy to hear Dustin pick Lehigh because I'm picking Charlotte. I'm going to pick up a game on Mr. Birdman over here.
2: And lastly, our game of the week, the two remaining undefeateds in Lee County, South Fort Myers traveling to Dunbar. South ended up actually winning last year's matchup in all. And all uh, surprises by one point.
1: Who goes to 6-0 and or who goes to 5-0 and in this one? Gosh, you know, this is going to be such a good game. Uh, last year we were a bit surprised because we thought the same thing, that Dunbar was uh, going to be the more talented, and they're still the more talented, but who's the better team? Um, and I think South is better than they were last year, but then again so was Dunbar. Has South played a team as good as Dunbar yet? I don't know. Um, I'm leaning towards Dunbar. I'm going to take Dunbar. They are at home, and just I I can't pick against all that talent they have, even though South has been very impressive, and they have surprised me a lot this year, and uh, they're doing very well, but I will take Dunbar. This is
3: very, very tricky, Uh, especially for me, because I have not seen South at all, not in the preseason, not in the spring. Uh, I've seen Dunbar a few times, and just the Tigers' ability to just change the game with one play on offense and defense Just, you know, it's hard to resist that, so I'm going to go with Dunbar. Yeah, uh, it's without
2: question. Um, The one thing I will say about South is that their play calling in, you know, key situations has been very good. Seeing this team a couple times this year, Willis May knows what he's doing when he's, you know, making plays. Duncan Smith seems to be one of the best decision makers, you know, in all of, you know, Lee County in terms of taking care of the ball, deciding to pull it down and run. You know, he's gotten some big gains, uh, but one nugget – Dunbar in the past three seasons is twelve and three in home games. I say they go to thirteen and three this year, but um, I would not be surprised if if South stuns Dunbar again like they did last year uh when they won thirteen to twelve. Well, that was a first pick segment for me running it down that was a a little bit nerve-wracking, but also pretty encouraging at the
1: same but time. But you did wonderful. It made my ears feel good hearing that beautiful, beautiful radio voice that you have. But that's going to do it for this week. Of course, come back to naplesnews.com slash sports, news-press.com slash sports on Thursday night, on Friday night, throughout the week. Hit us up on Instagram, on Twitter, all that fun stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you all so very much. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.